Um, before I start, um, I just have a desire to pray with you. Is that okay? Can I just change it up for a minute? Is that all right? Uh, why don't you go ahead and stand up just for a second. I'm feeling like there's something still that we're missing, and I want to make sure that you leave this place receiving everything that God would have you come for. If you're watching online right now, why don't you stand up in your um, house as well? If you're driving, stay seated. Um, but I just want to pray for a minute and just see if the Lord has something else um, for us before I jump into the scriptures. Um, if you've been in a situation in your life where you just, um, you just feel disconnected from the Lord maybe, from his presence, uh, maybe you feel like there's a gap there, maybe you feel like there's um, just a heaviness, maybe that's the word I'm looking for, a heaviness uh, that's just been kind of clouding your journey for the last bit. Um, if you would trust us in this moment, um, but would you just raise your hand where you are? I want to pray a refreshing. Yeah, there's lots of those. Look at all that. Just a heaviness. You know what I mean? Just like this. Ugh, it's like a wall. Um, yeah, you can put them up. Just put them up. We're going to believe God that he sees your hand. Um, if, let me do this, because, you know, we were in this different culture season right now. If you're comfortable with someone placing a hand on your shoulder, keep your hand up. If you'd like to be by yourself and not do that, bring your hand back down. So keep your hand up if you're comfortable with someone touching your shoulder. And if you see a hand nearby, you, uh, body of Christ, I'd like you to be the body of Christ. Would you please just place a gentle hand on your shoulder um, and let's begin to pray for them, would you please? I just wanna pray life into you, I wanna pray breakthrough into you, I just want the Lord to pray. Uh, I just wanna pray the Lord's spirit just to flood you and, and to fill you right now. I just, I wanna get rid of this heaviness. We don't wanna just come to church and sit there. You come to church, and God resolves problems. God breaks chains, amen? God moves you forward. And so we're not gonna move forward until we deal with this thing. So Heavenly Father, right now in Jesus' name, I come before you and I thank you for these that have their hands up, uh, those that might have had their hand up and they're just choosing to put it down right now. You saw their hand. Heavenly Father, right now we begin to pray for them, to bear their burden, whatever it is. Lord, if it's linked to an actual fear or anxiety or concern, maybe it's finances, maybe it's health, maybe there's someone they love that's in trouble. God, we carry that to you. We ask you, God, to do a miracle in their life. Lord, even now while they're sitting here in church, that the angels of the Lord would go and minister on their behalf, God, bringing breakthrough, bringing miraculous turnaround. God, right now, if it's a spiritual battle, if it's something that's just the enemy has been using to torment them, we just bind the enemy right now in Jesus' name. And we command you to let them go. They are a child of God. They do not belong to you. We command your little fingers and tentacles to come out of their mind, come out of their soulish area. And in Jesus' name, we declare their freedom in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask that today you would turn their mourning into dancing, their sorrow into joy. Lord, I pray that you would give them a spirit of joy and celebration. And Lord, that that heaviness would be removed right now. We just, we, just, we just command that mountain of heaviness to be taken off their shoulders and to be cast into the sea. And God, I thank you for a lightness. I thank you for an ease upon them. I thank you for an assurance, blessed assurance upon them right now. No more torment, no more anxiety, no more distance between them and the Lord. Lord, I thank you. You are their ever-present help in their time of need, and they feel you now. Lord, we don't always need to feel you, but today, God, we ask that they do, that they feel your nearness, that they are aware of your presence in this place. And when they go home, that they don't drive home alone. They don't drive home and walk into their house feeling alone. They walk into that home feeling covered, feeling supported, 
feeling loved by God, feeling like you've invaded their space in a good way, God. Push out the death, push out the depression, push out the darkness, invade it with light, invade them with life right now, we pray, God. We strengthen our brothers, we strengthen our sisters right now, God. We thank you that even now, strength is rising on the inside. Hope and joy is rising on the inside. Change them from the inside out right now, Holy Spirit. Pour yourself into them right now, Holy Spirit. From the bottom of their feet all the way to the top of their head, may they overflow. May they be full of joy unspeakable and full of the glory of God right now, Lord. We give you thanks and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, we declare these things and we receive them by faith. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. God bless you. Hopefully you're sensing a lighter presence and spirit upon you. Just believe God for transformation and that you walk out of here feeling much, much better and close to the Lord. That's so important. So we're in a series right now called Rooted, and we're going through different foundational truths and foundational uh, doctrines that are unchanging. Uh, when storms come, when famines come, when droughts come, when life gets crazy, your roots go down deep, amen? And you stay anchored, and not only do you stay anchored, but when you have deep roots, you know there's always rivers of life down there. And so you never go through, it doesn't matter if there's drought up here, you are always in abundance. Your, your leaf never withers and you produce fruit in every season. Do you, you agree with that? Can you say amen? Sometimes we declare things over you that you gotta catch it. And you say, amen, that's mine. I'm going to take that. I'm going to produce fruit in every season. Who wants that? In every season. You know, too many people let the season dictate their blessing. Let the season dictate their fruitfulness. But you are connected to God who is always giving life and giving refreshing and giving nutrition and giving you power and ability. There is no season that you are not connected to the ability to produce fruit. And so today, we're going to talk about the fall. And I want to help you with understanding. Um, I love messages that I use great illustrations and, and we have stories and all kinds of things, but there's a certain story here that you need to be made aware of or you need to be brought back to. Some of us have not visited Genesis 1 since you were in sixth grade or younger. But this story, this concept of the fall, I really felt the Lord wanted to help you with this because it answers so many questions about the world we live in. It gives us a lot of the why behind the what. And so today is about understanding. You may forget everything I say in the sermon, but if you can grasp the concept, you'll be able to interpret life and you'll be able to know what to do with the world that we're in right now. And you'll also realize why you're so valuable to the world you live in and why the gospel of Jesus is so valuable to the world we live in. Because we get away from some of these foundational beliefs, then we lose vision and intensity about why this gospel must be preached to all mankind everywhere. And it all goes back to the reality of what's called the fall. Now, I'm not gonna leave you in the fall, come on. <laughs> Like, that doesn't sound like a very encouraging word, Pastor Kevin. We're going to talk about the fall of man. But you know what? When you see the fall of man, you begin to thank God for the Savior of mankind. Amen? And if you don't understand that there was a fall, and you don't understand how far we've fallen, then you can lose the value and gratefulness for the Savior. 
Because sometimes in this world, we think people are just a little off. They just need to add a little religion. They just need to get a little better. My friends, we were fallen. Dead. Disconnected from the hope of life at all. Are you understanding this? It wasn't, we're just a little off. We were dead. And when you understand that, and you understand why the world is the way it is, then all of a sudden, you start realizing the value of the Savior, and you start realizing the gratefulness you have in Jesus Christ, and why we have to help everybody find out about this that we possibly can. So can you go on a story, a journey with me through the scriptures about the fall of man? Can you do that with me today? Are you excited about it? Even if you're not excited about it right now, I guarantee you, you will be excited about it by the time we're done. So I'm gonna take you to the easiest place in your Bible to find anything. Open your Bibles to page one. All right, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Let's look at verse 26 and 27. This is the account of God creating everything. Last week I made a comment about uh, sometimes science and your faith will cross. Now I want to make it clear that we do believe that God created science, that God created the laws of nature and these things are real and we believe, you know, in, in certain things. We believe in gravity, right? You're not going to sit there and step off a building and say, I don't believe in gravity. You will. You know what I mean? But there will be times when scientists who don't know God interpret the world they see and they try to do it without him. And when that happens, I go with God. You understand that? So it's nothing to do with us being like, put our head in the sand. We don't believe in science. Of course, there's things about science we believe. But if scientists try to create and figure out this world without God, they're always going to find the wrong conclusion. And so that's what I was talking about last week. And the same thing here. This is where we believe God formed everything. God is the creator and designer of everything. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, this is after he made a bunch of things, God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, the livestock, and the wild animals that are on the earth, and the small that scurry along the ground. I like the King James because it says that you have dominion over all the creeping things, and I say, say, you have authority over all the creeps. Can I get an amen? There you go. Now you have scriptural reference. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And he blessed them. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and govern it, subdue it, reign over the fish of the sea, over the sky, over all the animals that scurry along the ground. Everything God created was good. Can I hear an amen? God went through day after day. He would make the sun, the moon, the stars, and he would say it was good. He'd separate light and darkness. It was good. He would make the vegetation. He would say it was good. He made man in his own image, and he said it was good. Man was created good. The world God made was created good. And it's not just good the way we would define good. It was good according to the definition of God, which means it was really good. Because God, who is good, knows what is good, and he knows what isn't good. There's times we call things good, and they're not really good. You know, some people would argue that that would be sushi. <laughs> when I, first, I remember when I first started eating sushi, someone would say, that's an acquired taste. 
You ever thought about that phrase in acquired taste? That means your body naturally rejects it. But if you keep going long enough, Anyway, God said, let us make man in our likeness. He called it good. He called us good. However, man by voluntary transgression fell, thereby incurred not only physical death, but spiritual death. Write that in your notes. Physical death, spiritual death, which then is separation from God. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. We'll kind of see where that is. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God placed man in the garden, in the garden of Eden to tend it and to watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are surely going to die. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a helper just right for him. And then the Lord made Eve. Go to chapter three, chapter three. Verse 1 through 7, this is the story of the fall. This is where everything went off the rails. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say? Now it's interesting that the very first attack of the enemy in Scripture was to get human beings to question what God had spoken. The devil will use that tool in your life every day, anytime you can let him. Did God really say? The prophetic word God gave you, the devil will love to bring it in. Did God really say? He loves to cause what we would refer to as reasonable doubt. In a court of law, you know, you know, in a jury, you don't necessarily have to prove your case. You just have to put enough reasonable doubt in there. And that's what the devil does. He doesn't even have to prove his case. He just tries to put enough reasonable doubt in your head to try to disqualify you or to try to get you to give up on what the Lord has said. You'll do the rest. But he likes to use questioning God. Did God really say? It's one of his first weapons, and he still uses it today. So just be aware of that. Did God really say you must not eat of the fruit from any of the trees of the garden? So obviously the devil tried to exaggerate it. He loves to do that because God only said the one tree. Of course we may eat of the fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it is only the fruit from the tree of the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it or you will die. Now Eve added an extra line there. She said, or touch it, or you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat of it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her. He ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to try to cover themselves. And so at that moment, the glorious robe that God had put upon them, the, 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 the robe of glory left. They realized they were naked. Um, this is why I say that laundry is under the curse, by the way. Because before this, there was no such thing as laundry. So every time you have piles of laundry on your bed, it's from the curse. Laundry is a part of the curse. Are you understanding what I'm saying? That's why we have such a hard time with it. Anyways, it's my own excuse. So here is the fall. This is where man fell. This is where man disobeyed God. This is where there was, became a separation between God and man. And when God said, you will surely die, God was telling the truth. And man died. Now, it took him about 900 years to die physically. 
That's how much life God put in man, by the way. Isn't that amazing? It took him 900 years to learn how to die. And then we've shortened that since then. But man began to die physically, but in that moment, they died spiritually. In that moment, we died spiritually. We were separated from life because life comes from God. They were separated from the life of God. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Romans chapter 5. I'm going to give you a lot of application of why this matters in just a little bit, but I have to give you the background. I have to give you the background. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Now, I'm going to read 12 through 19, so it's about seven verses, and there's a lot of back and forth in this, so I need you to put your thinking caps on, get your Bibles, lean forward, and listen to this. There's a lot of language in here that goes back and forth, and I don't want to lose you in it, but I want to give you where these things are in your Bibles so you know why we believe these things and why these things are there, okay? So here we are, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. That's New Testament. Have you found it? All right. When Adam sinned, listen to this. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. So up until that moment, sin had not entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. You can write those little, little notes in your notebook. Adam's sin brought death. Why does death exist on the earth? Because of Adam's sin. Okay? So we see death, and, we, and, 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 and death doesn't feel right to us. There's a reason, because that's not the way God made it. Right? Adam's sin brought death. Remember, everything God had made before Adam's sin, God called it good. And all of a sudden, this happens. So death spread to everyone. Do you see how that sin from Adam now? It is spreading to all of mankind from generation to generation to generation. Yes, people sinned before the law. That would be before Moses' time, right? So there's a couple thousand years from Adam to Moses. Yes, people sinned even before there was a law given. But it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God, as Adam did. Now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ, who was yet to come. But there was a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. Put your finger there and take a quick mental break, because that was a lot of scripture, and take a breath. Ready? Let's keep going. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of the one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation for everybody. Say everybody. Adam's sin led condemnation to everybody. But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. Even though we are guilty of many sins. Underline that in your Bible. We are guilty of many sins. This is every single human being. Not just ones who know the commandments of God, who've been brought up in church, and they know what to do and what not to do. It's all humankind. Whether they know the law or they don't, 
Just like if you were speeding and you didn't see the speeding sign and you pulled over by the officer, you can't say, well, I didn't know the speed limit. It doesn't matter. Thou shalt get a ticket. <laughs> but I didn't know. doesn't matter. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule. Say rule. Rule over many. But even greater. Say greater. Greater is God's wonderful gift or wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. Say gift of righteousness. It's freely given, must be received though. For all who receive it. So now all humankind is in a state of spiritual death, physical death, separation from God, separation from the life of God. God has made this wonderful grace connection back to the life of God, connection back to life available for all. The, the, the fall was for all, and God's gift of grace is for all. But it must be received. It must be received. That's important because there's people that'll say, you don't need to receive Jesus. Everyone's just forgiven because he died. Because he died, the gift was paid in full, but that gift must be received must be believed. Are you understanding? For all who receive it, all who receive it will live in triumph over sin. Don't you love that? It's not just about being forgiven. Sometimes we, we, we stop at like level one, forgiven of sin. You're not just forgiven over sin, you triumph over sin. Triumph over it. We need to teach this in the church because sometimes people wake up every day, they're just trying to stay saved. Oh, help me stay from sin. Keep me from sin. Keep me from sin. Keep me from sin. You are so much more of an overcomer than just trying to stay saved every day. You understand the devil is under your feet. Sin no longer has dominion over you. You have triumphed over sin. You're not just barely enough. There's more than enough on the inside of you because if you're just trying to stay saved every day, you're not walking the earth like a son and daughter of God, fixing problems, being salt and light, kicking back the gates of hell because you're so busy just trying to stay. Are you understanding this? I'm trying to persuade you that there's so much more that God has done in you, okay? triumph over sin and death. So you're, you're triumphing over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Let's just celebrate that. Would you just celebrate that and give God praise for that? That's good news. Let's talk about physical death, spiritual death. So we're going to die. It's going to happen. Uh, not to, hopefully that is not a downer. That's actually a blessing. One of the reasons God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden was so they wouldn't accidentally eat of the tree of life and then live in a fallen state forever. We want to get out of this realm because this whole realm was affected by our sin. This whole realm has been cursed. It has fallen. And so then God steps in and brings a solution that once you're born again, once you give your life to Christ, you're linked into life eternal. This realm will have an ending. We'll have an expiration date. 
And so death for us is not the end. Somebody say amen. amen. It's actually, we get out of this fallen storyline and we get linked into a storyline that'll never fall into a kingdom that there'll be no end. You understand that? So it's actually the release is a blessing. Otherwise you would live eternally in a fallen world. You understand that? So he didn't come to bring you physical life in a fallen world. He connects you to resurrected life and into everything he does in the eternal future, which is no longer subjected to one man's sin or potential of sin. It's all linked into the one man's Christ finished work of which is established forever. So you never have to wonder, you never have to wonder if I'm going to get to heaven one day and someone's going to mess it up. You're like, are you kidding me right now? We just got out of a mess because everything in our future is linked to Jesus' finished work. So it's all solid. It's his obedience. It's his faithfulness. Are you understanding this? I know this is a lot, and this isn't typical Sunday morning church stuff, but this is where God is bringing us in this season. Because the waves of culture and society have all kinds of thoughts and opinions, and they beat against your beliefs. And you need to know what's going on out there. You need understanding. And when you have understanding, you can interpret the world and what's happening. So physical death is a reality, but it's only temporary. Somebody say amen. amen. You will have a resurrected body. Praise God. But let's talk about spiritual death. This is a big thing we're going to settle in on and talk about a little bit in the future. Spiritual death. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Write it in your notes. Colossians 2, verse 13. You were dead. We've got to get this. I know it sounds so simple. <laughs> you were dead. Listen, too many people, when they come to church or give their life to Christ, they think they're just adding a little bit of religion to their life. They're just a, a cleaned up version of what they were. You were dead. We didn't put lipstick on a corpse. You were dead. And now you're alive. This is not a little thing. I just, I could go on really fast here, but I need you to see this. You were dead, dead. Anything not connected to God who is life and the only source of life is dead. It may be walking around. It may make a lot of money. It may have a nice house, but it's dead. You were dead because of your sins, because of your sinful nature had not yet been cut away. Then God made you alive, say alive, alive. with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. By the way, it says your sinful nature was cut away. Somebody underline this stuff in your Bibles. You're not the same person you used to be. You didn't just add religion. You didn't just start going to church. You've become a new creation. That old sinful nature. So now sin is no longer your nature. It was your nature. You are now partakers of what the Bible says is the divine nature. You're more like God now than you are that old self. Amen. And so you draw your potential from your new nature, which is like the Lord. Now you may still sin, but that's not who you are anymore. 
right? And why, why can you resist it? Because it's already been defeated from you. If you were still in its grasp, it doesn't matter if you resisted it, it would still dominate you, but it doesn't dominate you anymore. Amen? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. Once you were dead. There it is again. You were. Past tense. Past tense. You were dead. But this culture doesn't even understand that they were dead. Many people in church don't even understand that you were dead. In God's eyes, the way God saw you, the reality, the reality that we were dead. Dead. Like dead dead. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. There's plenty of people who would say, well, I don't believe in the devil. I didn't serve the devil. It doesn't matter if you believe in him or not. You're still serving him. He'll let you serve him in ignorance. He'll remain anonymous. Some people will say, well, I don't serve God. I don't serve the devil. I just serve myself. There's only two kingdoms. You don't get one. There's a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness. So whether you admit it or not, whether people admit it or not, they're serving the devil. We were serving the devil. We weren't just naughty. We weren't just disobedient. We weren't just a little lost. We were dead in our sin, and we served the devil. Now let's just unpack that for a second, because not everyone who serves the devil looks like they're serving the devil. They don't all have pentagrams engraved on their forehead. You know what I'm saying? Some of them can be really nice people. And they can even be helpful. And they might even bring you a meal when you're sick at work or mow your lawn. But if they don't know Jesus, they're still dead. And they're still serving the God of this world in ignorance. Are you understanding this? See, because sometimes we don't believe everyone needs the Lord like we think they do. And we treat them, well, they're such a nice person. They're such a good person. Like, they're nicer than some of the people I meet at other churches. Not Calvary, but other churches. <laughs> so what happens? Our sense of urgency drops. Our, our thought of inviting them to the house of God or to a conference or to a revival or to a something, we're, they're, 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 they're pretty good. Do you see how this makes a big difference? But they're dead. They're dead and they're serving the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. Whether you were like hardcore, like sin, like whatever, Satan, occult, all that stuff, or you were in a, a false, uh, another religion or belief system, or you had no religion at all, and you were just a nice person. We all did that. We all used to be that way. And the only way out is through Jesus Christ. Is through this free gift of grace, through receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. Receiving it. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God, so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, 
He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Go ahead, you can celebrate that. If you don't understand what you were, you won't rejoice in understanding who he's made you now. So we were dead, serving the devil. God steps in and through Jesus Christ, he not only takes us out of our death and forgives us, he then gives us a position of authority. He gives us co-heir with Christ. Do you understand this? Like, like, who are we? Who are we? That's why when people say like, you know, God, you know, he's so mean and you have no, you don't have no, you have no idea who God is. If you think God is just out trying to, you know, squash people and send them to hell and all that. God is doing everything he can to bring you out of death, bring you into true life and to give you a position of authority so you can be a victorious person in this life and the life to come. Why does this matter to me, Pastor Kevin? I'm glad you asked that question. Why does understanding the fall matter? Why does understanding the death that we were in matter? I'll say it like this. You please write this in your notes. Big letters in your notes. The world is not okay. Can we just, we sometimes people get attracted back to the world, back to their old life. Why would I go back to death? Why would I go back to darkness? Why would my heroes be people that are dead? They may be alive in the, in the flesh, but they're dead. But yet people all the time make their heroes people that don't know God. So let's put them, not that you're trying to categorize people, but I'm trying to help us understand because like I'm saying, this belief system affects everything. So these people we put up on pedestals because they make a lot of money or because they're successful, or they have a big stage or a lot of influence. If they don't know God, they're dead. And not only are they dead, they serve the devil, the God of this world. You say, Pastor Kevin, you can't say that. They're so nice and they're so put together and they've got a great family and you know, they've got this and this and this. If they don't know God, they're dead. When you didn't know God, you were dead. And that's not me being rude. That's me being honest. According to the scripture, which we said a few weeks ago, God inspired that scripture. He's not trying to be mean by calling people dead. He's trying to identify and help them locate their needs so they'll reach the solution and the antidote. It doesn't do anybody any good to just ignore the fact that they're dead. This world is not okay. But until we get that in our mind, and remember, this world we see now is not the world God made. The world we see now is a result of that curse, of that fall. Death entered the world that was never meant to be here. You could put lights on it, cameras, action, makeup, 
the world is not okay. I say that because social media is so powerful and you watch people, we all do, we follow people and we think, man, look at their life. If they don't know Jesus, they're dead. No matter how glamorous it looks, we've glammed up a corpse, you know what I'm saying? And we're pumping them up like, do it like them. Amen. Why does this matter? Realizing that there is a separation between you and God or mankind and God matters. Because if you don't realize there's this big divide. Let me even say it another way. There's an illustration the Lord gave me years ago when people used to use the phrase, you've got one foot, how'd they used to say it? Uh, you're walking the fence with God. Did you ever hear that as a, in, the, in the kind of the 90s? That was like a big thing. Fence walkers. I don't know why everyone was walking on fences, but it was like a big thing. You're walking the fence with God. And this is what they'd say. You have one foot in, in the light and one foot in darkness. And the Lord just kind of spoke to me one day. It was like, Kevin, that's impossible. And I was like, okay, talk to me, Jesus. And I, I had two chairs that I would stand on. i put a chair here and a chair here. And it would be like you have one foot in light and you have one foot in darkness. And then the Lord was like, no, take that chair in darkness and go set it over there on the far side of the stage. You following me? Still walking. Still walking. And then I love working out our cameramen and women, camera persons. Take the other chair and you put it way over here. Give me a minute. Now, try to put your foot on that chair over there. Here's what I'm trying to say. The kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, they're not right next to each other. To say you have one foot in one and one foot in the other is impossible. They're so far removed. They're so far apart. You, the only way to describe it is you don't have one foot in death and one foot in life. You're either dead or you're alive. They're, they're like this. So you're either in light and in life, or you're in death and darkness. There's none of this, oh, I have one foot in either. You're deceiving yourself. The truth is you're probably all in this one. But you just don't want to say that. So realizing that there is a separation between us and God matters. Realizing people are spiritually dead matters. Realizing that sin is real matters. Remember, sin entered the earth at the fall. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. So when the world, or before we were new Christ, when they're like, oh, they're just good people and they don't believe in sin, they don't believe, it. listen, knowing we're dead, knowing that we were in sin, 
Those things matter. Why would you take, like I said earlier, why would you take an antidote for a sickness you don't know you have? Why would you grab a parachute if you, to, 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 to rescue you if you don't believe the plane is going down? It's important that we wake up to the fact that without Christ, we are dead. We are dead. And we're in sin and we have a sin problem. Whether you believe in sin or not, sin spread to all mankind. We talked about that. And the truth is we have sinned. But if we say that we don't have any sin, I don't need a savior, I don't need God, that's gonna greatly affect everything. We have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is not to humiliate you. That is to identify you have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. Are you understanding this? And you got to know every time God talks about in Scripture, he's not beating you over the head trying to say, look at you dirty, rotten sinner. You're so filthy. You're so bad. He's trying to, he's trying to help you see what he's making available to you so that you'll run to it with open arms and embrace it and be able to enjoy life. But if you think you're alive when you're dead or you think you don't need a savior because you're a good person, we have a problem. Realizing how darkness came into the world matters. This is why this message today matters. This whole thing about the fall, the fall, the fall. Realizing how darkness came into the world matters. How sickness came into the world. Sickness came because of result of our sin. God didn't send sickness. Sickness didn't exist. Death didn't exist on the earth when God called it good. We opened the door to it. Famine, death, pestilence, hate, Murder, prejudice, all these things are a result of our sin. Sin is really, really bad. Are you seeing? Like, it caused all of this pain. So when a young person is like, how could a loving God let people starve in famine? How could a loving God let people suffer with sickness? How could a loving God? God didn't create these things. This is a result of our sin. And the world was given over to our sin and to a new God, the devil. Remember the one that people don't want to admit they're serving? And the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And people murder one another and people hate and people do all kinds of terrible things because our nature was changed. It wasn't the nature of God anymore. It was this nature of sin. But if we don't believe in the reality, we start blaming God for what our sin created. And then we want God just to fix it and try to prop up a fallen world but the, world's, the world will have an end. God's solution was this. Save your soul, give you resurrection life, and bring you into another realm, another world, of which there'll be no end, and this will all be done forever. Hallelujah. 
That was God's better solution and better wisdom. But when we stop talking about these things, the fall of man and the result of sin and the curse on the ground, then all of a sudden people start blaming God and people stop. God has always been trying to be the solution to this problem. He wasn't the source of it. You know what I think is so powerful, and we'll get into this next week, about salvation through grace, which I love that, salvation by faith through grace. But the moment we sinned and the moment the curse was pronounced upon mankind, God's prophesied to Eve about the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Savior. He says that she would have a seed of her womb would crush the head of the serpent. That's a, that's a, that's a prophecy of the coming of Jesus Christ. So let me, let me say it like this. The moment mankind sinned, the moment we wrecked God's creation, which also, by the way, helps you understand, like, the intensity and the value that God instilled and entrusted man with. Like, do you understand this? Like, help me get this out, Lord. We were made in God's image. Something we did literally corrupted something perfect God made. And what we did, something, some, that's how much influence, that's how much position. Do you understand this? Like God creates everything perfect and he entrusts us with it. That's how much he entrusted us with it. It's like he gave you the keys to the car and it was our choice to drive it off a cliff. But sometimes we're like, why didn't God stop it? Why didn't God grab? Because God gave the trust and dominion over completely. So much in that, right? But the moment we blew it, the moment we wrecked it, the moment we brought in death, the moment we brought in sin, though he was pronouncing judgment and a curse, in the same paragraph, he speaks to Eve and says, through your womb will come the Savior, basically, of all of this. So God is speaking of his solution the moment we created the mess. You want to know the nature of God? God could have sat there and said, are you kidding me? The earth still had the new car smell. <laughs> and you already wrecked it. But he didn't sit there and like focus on it, right? He started saying, all right, let's put the plan of salvation into focus. Let's launch the plan to get it back. Isn't that powerful? And in case you don't believe me when I said that our sin created all this stuff, sickness, famine, hate, murder, prejudice, poverty, death, etc. Romans chapter 8, verse 20 to 22 says it like this. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. Creation didn't put itself in this mess. It was subjected to that curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth up right up to this present time. Do you see that? Like our sin affected creation. That's how bad sin is. That's how bad all this stuff was. But then in steps Jesus. And I love it that Revelation, I'll end with this scripture, chapter 3, verse 8, calls Jesus the Lamb 
of God that was slain from the foundation of the world. We sinned, we messed it up, but God was already ready to move his plan of salvation in because he wasn't going to let us stay in that death. He wasn't going to let us stay in that separation. He wasn't going to let us stay in that darkness and in that sin. Would you go ahead and stand? So today is about understanding. Go ahead, stand up. Today was about understanding the fall. There was a fall, a real fall. And it, those who don't know Christ and our neighbors, our family, they don't know Christ, they're still dead. This is why this affects everything. I can't tell you enough how much this affects everything. When we send missions dollars over the world, why would we sacrifice to send people to the other side of the world to bring this message? Because every person that receives this message is being rescued from death and being brought into life. That's why. That's why we have services. That's why we do evangelism crusades. That's why we make this call every single week for people to come and know Jesus. It's not because we're just trying to add a little religion to their life. We're trying to rescue people from death and a curse. Amen. And the only way out is through receiving Jesus Christ. And I say it again because repeating helps you remember. Even people who look all put together on the outside, without Jesus, they're still dead. And they need the Savior. They need the Savior. Let me pray this into our hearts, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Savior. Bow your heads. Let's just ask the Lord to give us understanding and revelation. Heavenly Father, right now, we thank you so much for these words. We thank you so much for understanding. In understanding, God, we'll be able to interpret the world around us differently. We'll be able to understand what's going on around us and how to respond differently. God, I pray you give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Help us to see people and that they need life. Help us to stop being afraid. Help us to stop resisting or thinking, well, maybe they don't need this as much as, as we think. That, God, you give us such great vision for people to be sharers and bringers and, and to help them find life, to be excited about that opportunity. And even for ourselves, to be grateful, to move, to understand that, that we've been saved from something, something really, really bad. And we've been saved unto something really, really good. God, we give you thanks. We are grateful. We are grateful. Go ahead and celebrate God. We are grateful. We are grateful for salvation. We are grateful for Christ Jesus. We are grateful for life. We are grateful for freedom from sin and freedom from the curse, freedom from the fall. Thank you, Jesus. God, help this to grip our hearts. Help us to interpret the world and understand it better knowing these things. In Jesus' name I pray. If you agree with that, say a big amen. Now, before you leave, give me two minutes. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would like to give you that opportunity. We've talked all day long about it. This is not just you adding religion into your life. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship with God. It's about coming out of death and going into life. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, let's make it right. Let's make that right. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We just talked about that. The wages, penalty, cost of that sin is death, separation from God, hell. But the gift of God, sees God again, is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. 
But here's the how. All who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Remember, we said you have to receive this gift of grace. How do you receive it? By faith. But you have to call on him. All who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So let's do this. Why don't you all bow your head and close your eyes for the next 30 seconds. And if you would like to give your life to Jesus Christ today for the first time, when I count to three, just raise your hand. If you say, Pastor Kevin, I used to have a strong faith, maybe not so strong, but I've walked away and I would like to recommit my life to Jesus today. I'd like to pray for you as well. So those that have never given their lives to Christ or those that would say, I wanna make a fresh new commitment to the Lord today. I wanna pray for you too. When I count to three, just simply raise your hand. We'll pray for you right at your seat and then we'll dismiss. But don't leave this place in death. Don't leave this place under the bondage of sin. Let's come to life. Ready? When I count to three, if you need to get right with God, just raise your hand. One, two, three. If that's you, would you raise your hand today? I need to get right with God. Just put your hand up and we'll pray for you wherever you are. It'd be a privilege this morning. There's a hand in the back, two hands in the back. Thank you guys. Appreciate that. Congratulations on that. Anybody else? I need to get right with God. There's a third hand there. Awesome. Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else today? Fourth hand, fifth hand. Awesome. Anybody else? It's a decision time. I need to get right with God. Maybe you're at home and you need to pray this prayer. Go ahead and raise your hand in your house. God sees it. All right, everyone, let's pray together, would you? So no one's praying by themselves. Repeat this prayer with me, would you? Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize that I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me, that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Be my God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate those five or six hands? Congratulations. Amen. Welcome home. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.